you, Ms. Rhonda, and thank you, kids, for coming and enjoying that. And what a great reminder. You see, that message changes everything. I want you to think about that very thought this morning, that it changes everything. I hope this morning that, that you're here and, and you're uh, in, in the middle of enjoying a wonderful Christmas time. I hope that you're having a good time with family or friends or just a time focusing in on the Lord and what He's done for you. I know many of you had the opportunity to attend one of the Christmas Eve services yesterday, and it's good to see you again this morning. And I hope that just being here this morning with your church family is a joyful experience for you, and it's an encouragement to your soul. This morning, we're not going to be doing a, a deep dive into the, the theology of Scripture, but rather I'm going to ask you to be considering your own response to the message that you've heard, your own response to Jesus taking on flesh. Because Jesus taking on flesh changed everything. For many of you, you're, you're still in the middle of your Christmas celebrations, or maybe some of you, it's already the calm after the storm, or family's gone, gone back, or uh, presents have been opened, food has been indulged in, I don't know. Or maybe that's still coming. Last night, Pastor Doug, and myself, wherever you were, uh, we took, gave you a brief look at the, at the wise men coming from far off. But really, any time we consider the Christmas story, I, I think you have to talk about the shepherds, don't you? I mean, think about their experience. And I want you to really uh, let your imaginations flow. Children, you might have a little advantage today in this message. But let your imaginations flow as you consider this. And let me read the account again to you from Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with them, an, uh, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherd said, said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Go with me for a moment to consider what this must have been like for our shepherds. Let's first think about the night of that angelic encounter out in their fields with sheep. I presume that there was probably not a lot of conversation going, along, going on with the shepherds, and, and because likely the shepherds had discussed anything and everything possible in all the time that they had, and so maybe they were just silent. 
Perhaps they were taking turns or were taking even shifts uh, watching the sheep while others slept. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I, I, I suspect that that was stunning. All is just lit up around them. Kids, I want you to think for a minute. What is it like when it's totally dark and all of a sudden somebody shines a flashlight in your eyes? You're struggling to adjust. Your eyes haven't adjusted and, and, and you're t trying to take in what has happened. And we're told here that they were terrified. I mean, what do you do in that moment if you're, if you're one of these shepherds? Do you, do you run? Do you just fall down? Do you just go into a fetal position and, and cry? I don't know. What do the sheep do? There's a phrase called deer in the headlights. I suspect the animals were just kind of in shock and they just were stunned by the light. But the angel here tells them what to do, at least what not to do. Fear not. Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Good news. And suddenly, uh, there's another surprise. Because now the angel is not alone. Now there's a heavenly host, a, 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 a large gathering, a group of angels who apparently were not there initially. Another startling experience for them. And they're praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We don't know how long this went on, but then they're gone. What did the shepherds say? Let us go. Let us go see this. I, I, I suspect that, that the intensity is really lost in translation. But now imagine with me their arrival. They, they go to the stable. I, I suspect that as they came in, they were out of breath maybe from running or hurrying. Or maybe they were just out of breath from excitement. You ever know what that's, that feeling is like? You're so excited that you're, you're winded. Maybe because they've been talking about it, but I can't believe what we just saw in there. And they're trying to walk fast and, and, and get there, and they're overwhelmed by it. Certainly Mary and Joseph are probably a little startled to have this arrival of this group of shepherds in this moment. They're probably surprised by their enthusiasm to tell the story about the angels and what had happened. And they spread the word, and they tell what happened and they return glorifying God truly a dynamic account of an amazing night no question about it but I want you to consider now what, what it must have been like after that and I'm going somewhere with this I promise but what must it have been like to return from there to have been one of those angels uh, allow me to remind you of something very basic and simple this morning, and that is that, that these were real people like you and I. We can know for certain that they had something new to talk about. Far less rehashing of the same old stuff they always talked about. Hope had been infused into their thinking. Optimism. Look with me at 17 and 18 again. It says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying 
that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. It's interesting, this all who heard it now almost suggests that there's more people involved in this than we may have first realized. Or maybe they're sharing it with everybody along the way. Suddenly, these shepherds were a little more significant than they were before, perhaps. I mean, shepherds were not highly regarded in that culture and in that time. They were not highly esteemed people. They didn't have dream jobs. Again, I want you to understand where I'm headed with this. The magnitude of their experience had to have a major impact on the rest of their lives. Consider this. In our modern age, uh, we see great lights that can light up the sky at night. We can, we can see bright lights from electricity. If you've ever been on an airplane at night flying across the U.S. or some country, you, you know what you see, right? You see lights in various places. And as you approach a large city, you see that the land is kind of lit up, isn't it? Or if you're crossing in through agricultural areas, you see the one farm leg in each of the farms. It's beautiful. But remember, in the time of these shepherds, the only things that could light up the night were moonlight or stars or lightning. So the light by itself must have been shocking, and I don't think it was just an ordinary light. Because of messenger from heaven appears shining with the glory of heaven. That's terrifying to these shepherds. That's why the phrase came with, do not be afraid. Remember the prophet Isaiah transported to the courts of the Lord? Woe to me, I'm ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm going to go into that a little bit more next week. At the transfiguration on the mountain. The disciples are overwhelmed by it. And they're face down. And they're terrified. What I'm suggesting to you is this is not a forgettable experience. Not to mention the angelic crowd saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men. Who is fate of rest. I wonder, did they sing it? Did they repeat it? Was it starting out soft? Did it go to loud? Did it build up? Was it just melodious? Or was it this intimidating force like soldiers? Whatever it is, I can think of no scenario in which this could have been anything less than amazing. Mind-blowing and memorable. I can remember some times in my life when I've been overwhelmed at the reading of God's word or the singing of it. Many years ago, I had an opportunity to go to Atlanta to a Promise Keepers event for pastors. We were in an indoor stadium. There was 40,000 pastors in this auditorium. And I want you to know that the singing of these praises and hymns was so beautiful. It just made me weak in the knees. It was stunning. It's amazing. I will never forget it. And I remember thinking, is this a little bit like what heaven's going to be like? 
See, it's more than words or songs. There's, there's empowerment. There's something moving. And, and it's the power of God. This morning I would suggest to you that, that days, even weeks after these shepherds went back to their sheep, they would still have a sense of awe and, a, and wonder about that experience. But what happens then three months or, or ten months or, or three years later? I think we can safely assume that these shepherds had their memories refreshed of that night when they heard that Herod was trying to kill all the children. He was trying to kill all the boys. Because they're going, oh, he's, he's after Jesus. Maybe they prayed for his protection. I'm sure their memories were refreshed when they heard about Christ beginning to minister to people throughout the land. And I bet those shepherds didn't have any trouble believing the stories that were circulating about this man who was going around and, and giving sight to the blind and allowing the lame to walk. I bet they believed it with everything in them. Because the angels had told them. Perhaps some of the shepherds saw him again. Maybe even one was healed by him. Who knows? But here's what we do know for sure. There were many normal, uneventful nights that followed that amazing night. Normal, average days like you and I have. But can't you just envision these shepherds maybe revisiting that spot where it happened? Where it all transpired and replaying it in their minds and talking about it. I know what you're thinking. You're going, where is he going with this? Why is he taking us on this journey? To some degree, the same can be true of you and me. If we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you likely had some incredible memories of that, that encounter. Maybe it was as a child. Maybe when a friend shared his or her testimony with you. Maybe at church. or Maybe it was after a tragedy and you just dug into the Word of God. Wherever. But the question still becomes, what happens now? How does life look after the night with the angelic hosts? How does life look after an encounter with Christ or after uh, we've given ourselves to Christ or, or after Christmas? What does it look like after Christmas? I want to share with you that the common thread of any encounter with Christ is life change. We must not be the same. Christmas comes and goes, but our lives as believers are changed by the truth of it. This truth changes everything. How could a shepherd be the same after that night, right? Yet as people, our memories can be short, and life continues, and we slide back into our routine. As a church, we've been preaching through the book of Acts. Remember, Paul had one of those incredible encounters with Christ on the road to Damascus, right? And I believe his experience on the road was another one of those radiance of God's glory kind of experiences. A light from heaven. The men with him were speechless. And we've as we've studied, it changed everything for Paul, didn't it? Nothing was the same. 
Note what he would write later to the church at Colossae. Look with me at Colossians 3. He says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. <clears throat> Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Here's this seasoned veteran of the faith who had that experience, that glorious experience that changed everything. And he's, he's saying to these believers, he's saying, listen, set your heart on things that are above. And that is the change that should happen based upon the truth of, Christian, of, of Christmas. It's, it should be that our hearts, our desires are about God. What are the things that really get you going in life? What are your dreams? What gets you most upset? What about your mind, your thinking, your goals, your plans? What do you dwell on? What do you give your time and attention to? What do you think most about? I want to suggest to you that the truth of Christmas should adjust what our hearts and minds are fixed upon. Because encountering Christ changes everything. The truth of Jesus Christ, His coming, His incarnation, His ministry, the cross and the resurrection, it's all life-altering. We cannot, we must not remain the same. Have anyone Paul certainly had his share of amazing moments. And it might have been easy for Paul to, to, to kind of get into the state of fro frozen reminiscence about the past, living in yesterday. And maybe that's why he wrote these instructions to that church. That mindset of, yeah, this was, that was great, but fix your eyes and your heart upon heaven. Not just on Christmas, not just on Easter, not just in the day you celebrate when you came to Christ. The truth should change everything for us every day. We're simply not told what became of those shepherds. But I just imagine them living their life and doing their job with one eye fixed on the heavens, imagining his glorious return. A joyful, joyful thought. But the truth of Christ should make everything around us fall in significance to the truth of our Savior. Amen? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're gathered here today because of the truth of Jesus Christ. We, fought, we, we, we find that we're just overwhelmed with, Lord, with the joy that comes with knowing our Savior. Father, we thank you that Christmas isn't about all the little details that are 
culture as an attitude, all the stories or whatever, but rather it is about our redemption. It's about our salvation. It's about your unending love for us. Father, may the joy of Christmas go with us throughout the year. May it make us ready to share that good news with the people we come in contact with. May our lives live, be lived in such a way that it's radiant of your love and your goodness to us. That we would be changed, that our hearts and minds would be fixed on you because of the goodness of our Savior. Father, we praise you for Jesus Christ and for his willingness to come. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for providing a way of salvation and for giving us joy that's unmistakable, clearly, from you. We give you praise in the name of Jesus.